Hi everyone, it's Olga Zar. Welcome to SEO podcast by SEO Sly. Today again, I am talking to Miriam. I'm not sure if this is my podcast episode or if this is SEO cash flow. I think it is a bit of both or maybe none because I think it's sure. more your podcast, but <laughs> it it will absolutely go into the this could save you time and money territory. Definitely. So I want to ask Miriam about ChatGPT, how she uses that. I know that when she's asked questions, she usually starts answering and her brain does this magic. My brain, unfortunately, cannot do that, but her brain can. So I want to kind of interrogate her a bit about ChatGPT because this is the topic like everyone is talking about. So we both also have to talk about it. But before we get started, if you aren't following Miriam, please start following her because she is really an awesome SEO to follow. Um, thank you for promotion because I'm not usually good at this. And I, I just, I have to go back on what you said because most of my career, my bosses usually hated the fact that I would go on these tangents and they're like, no, we asked you to do this one thing. I'm like, but if you ask me to do this one thing, you have to consider this whole entire ecosystem because otherwise it doesn't make sense. And when I started freelancing or when I was in an agency with clients, that's literally what clients want. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> I love that. So I want more of it. Well, you're, you're going to treat me like chat GPT. Basically, you're going to throw questions in my face and I will provide the interface and exactly. Someone put let's see if it's good okay your version i believe gpt5 or 6 maybe <laughs> oh, oh you so. know what no I, I i'm just gonna go like chat gptm and this is good yeah. okay okay works okay so we are seos we keep talking about seo so how have you as an seo how you how have you been using chat gpt so far I know you've been spending a lot of time with it, just like me. So I am very curious to learn what have you been up to? So I have some news from the front lines. First and foremost, um, I have an Italian SIM card. So this means mm -hmm. that when I'm out and about, and I'm currently in Portugal. So when I'm out and about, I can't use ChatGPT because it says blocked in Italy. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, we should talk about this just for a minute. It has been blocked by uh, the Italian government because there are a, there's quite a lot that we still haven't figured out about this tool. So it's, it's kind of like saying, this is going to um, be a total revolution in the way we do our jobs, in the way we teach people. But there's another thing that was an absolute revolution for warfare. Um, Olga, have you ever heard of why heroin is named heroin? I think I heard it, but I don't remember. So it's, it's coming from the concept of the war. So if you wanted to send soldiers to their death, what do you do? How do you convince them to just go? Drugs. The answer is drugs. So mm -hmm. they figured out that by giving this substance to soldiers, they would be heroic and basically run into battle and get butchered. And as a side note, 
this is something that should be kept in mind. A lot of people don't seem to realize there is a very strong correlation between extremist groups that are very violent and drugs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we have to consider with the Russian conflict. This is something that we have to consider with the, the Proud Boys, etc. Drugs. Okay. So what is going to be the impact of ChatGPT? Well, we're all diving into it headfirst going, this is amazing. This is crack for my brain. This does so many things. And I'm like, what is going to be the societal impact? And yeah, Italy banned it, but they're not the only visible entity that banned ChatGPT. Like Stack Overflow, they went new. And there's reasons for that. So I'm going on a negative tangent, but the truth is I use ChatGPT every day for almost everything that I can think of. And it mm-hmm. just, it either saves me time, it helps me figure out my thinking and brings rigor to it, or it makes me laugh. Like I, I had a very, very bad work day and um, I decided to write uh, erotica, but with foods. And I asked people on Twitter, oh. like, give me some foods. And kebab erotica is not a thing peach schnapps and herring have a romance gefilte fish asked a lonely single jewish woman on a date and apparently went well so this thing is like this magical pandora's box of what if and it answers it for you and the problem is that the answers they're not they're not always bad we we can dive into it i want to know what you've been doing with it okay so I've been treating it for a couple of days like my personal coach because I've been working a lot on like becoming more productive and spending less time working. I've tried different work systems like Pomodoro, like those focus days, buffer days, everything that's possible. And I had like, for example, recently a very genuine conversation with ChatGPT around how I should like organize my work better and my work-life balance better and it kind of gave me a few ideas and it asked me to test for one week and I was actually like testing some things and I think I am at now a pretty good level of how how things are going I'm still not 100% satisfied but this ability to kind of tell him what I'm struggling with it's very therapeutic, I would say. So this is one of new um, new use cases for me. You're touching on something super important. This is something that I am keeping an eye on. I think that large language models like this will be in the future fine-tuned for specific verticals. And I've been wondering which verticals would be served best. What I mean by that is it's very good at like superficial stuff. It's very good at giving us stereotypes or tropes because it understands like a large data set from a very meta, like macro point of view. So it can give you advice and a lot of people use it the way you did. A lot of people use it to figure out their um, lunch menu for the month. I use it. I'm like, I bought this shiny skin product thing and i bought this other one okay which one do i use first how long do i wait and it's telling me what i can do it's it's really nice because like you said it's helping you test stuff out and like go about things but if we take it further would this be for example beneficial or detrimental for mental health would 
newsflash right now probably not so good but a lot of people are using it to help them along on their journey so that's a different use case but i think it will benefit specific verticals like specific industries mm-hmm. specific things i think it's already impacting the way we see education go huh? that's that's the huge people focus Definitely. on what what do, what other verticals have you noticed where you go who this could be super helpful programming i believe their job will change dramatically because a lot of the things like simple things they were doing i think chat gpt will now be doing and maybe people who are not experienced at programming will be able to do some basic things thanks to thanks to chat gpt like me <laughs> I've, I've been like learning how to go about stuff in bigquery with chat gpt has been helping me add rigor to my thinking because I have some quirks when I write um, SQL queries where I always want to put the like from database, like from table, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm like, I I always put it in the wrong spot because that's the way my mind works. And the thing is like, no, I'm correcting you. It should go here. So I really like this because it tells me step by step why it's doing what it's doing and what I did wrong. So sometimes it's right with the most basic queries it is when you want to create more sophisticated stuff, it helps you as well, like to clean stuff up. But it's one of the issues that I see with it. Sometimes it helps you and it's actually factual and it helps you get stuff done. But sometimes it's really good at producing answers that appear to be good. Okay. But it's not because it looks good that it is good. So that's been causing issues for Stack Overflow because the rate of how often it's correct is so low that it's damaging the brand, it's damaging the platform. So it's a good starting point. And you basically would become more of an editor than somebody who would interrogate the thing. So normally as humans, we go, okay, so I'm wondering if I can do this and that, then you investigate and you come up with solutions, right? And then the community will start editing stuff or you will figure out how to edit stuff based on what corpus is already out there. Okay. And we're switching and that's why it's tied to education. We're switching from a skill set, which is um, find the proper information, like learn how to look for mm-hmm. stuff online, learn how to look for stuff in books, etc. to making sure that this stuff is actually correct, is actually factual. And this is upending how we think of content. So, so let, let me go back to this because I, I have a lot to say. But we, for a very long time, had a price on information. So one of the reasons why lawyers cost this much is that they spent a long time learning all the law books, all the codes, and they can tell you why you can't do this or can't do that. That's why they're expensive. They know this stuff. Doctors, same deal. We like stuff their heads full of all the potential situations they could face, and they are going to figure out what's wrong with you. And the problem that we have with these individuals is that they don't always have access to the proper information and that we we think of their opinion as more educated and like we place it on a higher pedestal, but it's not always great. 
Yeah. Same deal with ChatGPT, except that it does it without any ethics. It does it without knowing what is right, what is wrong. It doesn't like input output. So when we consider this, it has great applications like for law, for medicine, it could be awesome to diagnose really weird stuff. Cool. But it's always a starting point. It's never going to be the final decision. If we let a machine make the final decision, um, we've seen all the sci-fi movies. Like all of humanity will end up dead. That is the most efficient way to figure this out. The end. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, and what? Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, for for me, this means that if you're a marketer, you're going to want to adapt like your practice. So whatever you do as marketing um, in response to the AI advancements. So you have to do the work that is worth doing. What does it mean? It means that you put more value on the process than the product. You raise the bar because AI is helping you in your workflow. So one of the worst things that you can have with a team member, for me at least when I was a director, People who are who are really um, mean and not compatible with your team, but are good at their job, we call them rock stars, but at some point they do end up moving on or getting fired because they're dragging the team down. I don't care how good you are, you're dragging the whole thing down. People who don't know how to do the work, so they're inefficient and they kind of like bullshitted their way through the interview and made it, you can tell that they're bad at their job, no matter how nice they can be, you boot them out as well, not productive. But Olga, what happens if you have somebody who's nice and works super hard and is like, I spent eight hours on this. And you're like, I could have done better in 15. I'm sorry, you value the output way too much. This should have taken in an hour. And if it wasn't perfect, but 80% of the way there, this would have been good enough. You spending eight hours, not acceptable. Like this is not okay. So that's what I mean by like focusing on what truly matters now that AI is here. Yeah. But what about SEO vertical for us? Let's switch to SEO vertical. I may share one more thing I've been, I've been doing and where I failed because I've been trying to repurpose a lot of my content with ChatGPT. So I went back to my old articles. I fed them to ChatGPT and asked it to, for example, create a LinkedIn post for me. And in most cases, it was quite okay. But in some cases, the output wasn't exactly correct. Even though in the article, like the article said the truth, the output, I don't remember exactly, was not correct. So... And I am happy that I noticed that before publishing. So, and now I will be like double, double checking, even though it is created from my own stuff, which seems like it should be okay. It is not always okay. (laughs) There's, there's a reason why. So remember how I said we are becoming editors. That's what we are paid for now. That's you put your finger on it. Copy pasting blindly. It's not going to pay off. And, and although Although we all saw Google freak out over the fact that Bard was lukewarm at best, 
or maybe you know like when you microwave something too long and it kind of like explodes and leaves a mess that's that's that feeling yeah google has figured out something that you figured out that many governments are slowly figuring out fact checking is key editing is key okay so i see them repositioning themselves going we understand that we are shifting so we we're having a massive shift where we will be ending up instead of having like currently we are moving from you put in one query and you have many results by many sites we're moving towards a one result by many sites this is very important because this means that you have to trust the data you have to figure out which data set you have to be able to validate if it's good the fact checking and i think this is where their value shows this this is where they can go hey we can actually filter this we engage ourselves like our value is that we know what's trustworthy or not what's up to date or not now that i said this okay how could you improve the prompt so let's say i take your article the first thing if i was an seo i would go hey um i would go in search console i would figure out what are the potential queries that like are driving the most traffic or should be driving most traffic figure your stuff out if you don't know what i'm talking about read olga's articles but you you input this you go i'm going to be providing a new an article i need you to rewrite the meta title knowing that these are the keywords that people are looking for this is the search intent propose 10 things that's a good way to do it okay now what else would I do? I would go, is this article up to date with what you know? So if the article was published in like 2018, 2019, the data set goes up to 2021, you can still use it, Olga. If it's from 2022, don't ask it to do that, please. You can also go, hey, based on this, what are the gaps? What is missing from my content? Or, and I'm going a bit further, you could figure out, okay, here's my list from Google Search Console, everything that's in the cluster of this, and ask it what article is missing this is a great way to operate mm -hmm. cool you could also feed it a bunch of articles and go which ones should be linked if i wanted to like semantically cluster them tell me okay now back to your linkedin thing i think i know what's missing because i've done these tests too you provide the article and you say who is your audience so please provide a series of linkedin posts for seo experts who are getting into the field who are intermediates but need to do a deep dive on this topic so mm. this helps it pick the right things and you go hey could you provide me the highlights so one of the things i don't like is that it has this presumption of what it thinks should be a good linkedin post and most of these do not fit my vibe they sound like regurgitated bullshit because they are so instead what i like to ask is like give me the highlights and then i take the highlight and i go hey can you make like a good sentence about this something that's eye-catching or something that will like have a different take and this is this is something that i i want to go back to as well like one of the tropes for me is if if i ask chat gpt to come up with a generic outline or a generic article on a topic because it's so surface level i know that if my article was going to sound like the machines i'm doing it wrong 
I'm doing it wrong. Like I want to be the anti-chat GPT in that case, because that's where I provide value. So you could also look at it this way. You could look at what it's doing as an output and going, okay, I got to do the opposite. So you can then turn around and ask it and go, I don't, don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Give me the highlights now that you know what I don't want. Oh, another great tip. Awesome. So I've also been yes yeah just, just wanted to say that I've also been testing playing with chat GPT for translation so I used Google Translate from Polish to English together with chat GPT for the same text and for like more complex sentences chat GPT was a clear winner because in Google Translate very often you had the sentence that wasn't didn't sound correct or wasn't even grammatically correct. And for ChatGPT, it was in most cases almost perfect. So here I can say that it's doing a better job, but of course there were instances where it got things wrong and the translation wasn't what was meant in the original text. So again, you need to fact check it as well. So. One of the things I use it for that most people don't realize they can use it for is I'm bilingual. Actually, I'm trilingual. And then I have like a few duolingual um, things that I do with German nice. and Portuguese. But um, concretely, I can start a sentence in English and go, I need you to do this. P.S. Do it in French. And it does. Yeah. And it's great because sometimes you want to translate something and it just doesn't come out right. And I use it as a bouncing board like against the wall, like I'm bouncing my words until I figure out what I need. And this is important because if you're bilingual or trilingual, you are not bound to the machine. You can literally think the way your brain thinks. So this is really cool because, for example, I have a tendency to make my queries in English and expect a French output. Mm. Awesome. If you're the opposite. So, for example, for you, if you want to screech at it in Polish and go, but make it clean and in English, it will. So this is really nice. You can also ask it to format information in a table. So what I like about this is like, no. hey, um, I need you to translate these these keywords, but in like on the left side, you put me the English, the original input, and then and you do French from France and French Canadian. And you highlight the differences in one last column. Mm. Love doing that. Um, another thing that I like to do, as I explained to you, is um, I was doing this. I showed this to a friend of mine. I'm like, hey, all the articles that you have on your hub, you can cluster them. You don't need to do it by hand. Like it will do it for you. And then you can tweak it, edit it, but it saves you time. All these quote unquote low value tasks that you would ask an intern to do because they're smart enough to figure it out. Go with ChatGPT, it will save you time, like for real. So if you could list off like one, two, three, like boom, 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 boom. What other tasks have you been doing? I've been playing with organizing keywords by, by intents, by entities. So this is also something I've been doing, but I'm not relying on that too much because I prefer using like fresh data from keyword tools, but still, I think it was a nice exercise. I also asked it to, I often ask it to create FAQ questions. If I input an article and ask it to write FAQs, usually they are very very good so this is one of the oh, one of my favorite uses of chat gpt for content creation is to create faqs but you know why it works huh tell me yes 
No, no, no. I talk too much, Olga. Go on. Yeah, but you are the star here. I just, I'm asking questions and learning from you. T tell me. Tell me what your opinion is. I think because all the answers are already there. So it just has to create a question. This is the point. So what is the difference between ChatGPT and a calculator? Well, a calculator and oof, back in my day, calculators, some teachers were like, that's cheating. I'm like, yeah. Why is it cheating? I will not be learning this. This is a waste of my time. I just have to be able to do the thing. It's a tool. So a calculator is something that is deterministic. Okay. Like this will have input output. But when you talk about an AI generated text, it's, it's not determined deterministic. It's probabilistic meaning that it doesn't have a record of right or wrong so it can't predict the future it can't do any of that but it relies on a statistical model of language patterns so for an faq yeah it knows what people are most likely to ask yeah. because it identifies the patterns kind of like what we do when we go in google search console and go okay i have to figure out all the questions let me write a regular expression so who what when where uh top best advice because you know those keywords you yeah. know them because you learn the patterns the machine does the same thing that's why it's super good for faqs it's all the generic questions that you want people to be able to figure out really fast for anything complicated get in touch via chat call us email us ta -da. So mm -hmm. that's why it works what else have you been doing with it i've been also trying to make it to provide some examples to the articles i wrote so in some cases i wrote an article about something around keywords there was an article about google search operators and I ask it to create example search, search operators. In some cases, they, of course, didn't work. In some, they did. But this was one, one application. I also created, I'm not a JavaScript developer, but I also was able to create some JavaScript scripts with it. That was another thing. What else? Yeah, I think. Okay. Maybe Reformulate your content. Like, hey, I already wrote this 50 times. I'm fed up. Like, give me, give me a new thing. That, that is something. Yeah, brainstorming, like asking for titles because I'm trying to, for example, optimize my YouTube. I was asking it to create better titles, to create better descriptions. So I'm mostly using it at least now for, for content production, maybe optimization, maybe not production. <laughs> I, as you've said, as I've said, I think if you work in seo you can absolutely use it to help you craft regular expressions with with yeah. a nuance um they will not always work so you have to know yeah. you have to tell it i'm writing it for google search console i'm writing it for google analytics because otherwise it will come up with really weird stuff and you should not hesitate to say that doesn't work please help me i like to use it for excel or google sheets going yeah. hey i want you to highlight this or one of the things whenever i want to make a visual and if you don't use python for example it will still do it in google sheets you can go hey so i'm trying to create a graph that does this currently my data looks like this based on what you know what should i and then the thing goes well you should create an additional column that does this i'm like okay i made it now what do i do and it helps you figure it out so this is cool 
it does the same thing for um, SQL queries. It does the same thing for JavaScript. Like it helps you think along, figure stuff out. So now that I said this, it's great for a lot of things. It can help you also create schema. Like a lot of people yeah, have spoken about that. Forgot about because this. once again, it's nuanced. It's logic. Okay. Now let's take it a bit further. What I like to do is always specify the audience. So if I use it for content ideation, brainstorming, I'm like, hey, so if I'm a tourist over in Canada and I want to visit France, what are the top cities? Okay, so then we'll list the cities. I'm like, yeah, but what should I do based on this city? And it will know things that you and I as SEOs will not be able to acquire this fast. So for example, yeah. the city of Toulouse is known for sausage, for anything that is tied to airplanes because Airbus is there. It's also known as the pink city. Most people don't know that. If you're mm -hmm. not French, you don't know that. So there's a lot of things that you can learn really fast. I use that whenever I'm thrown into any topic and I need to come up with like strategy. I'm like, so what would be the top 10 Reddits that I would need to check? Give me the subreddits. Give me the blogs that I should use. And it's pretty good. It will sometimes hallucinate. So if the blog yeah. doesn't exist, you need to double check. But it's a great way for me to dive in and know more like what if i wanted to know more about cybersecurity? what should i check what are the key um the key terms i should know about this what are the main concepts that i should know as a beginner what are the main concepts that i should know as an intermediate what do experts look for does it help like it's a crash course in almost anything yeah this is this helps a lot to get you started. Now, if you want it to describe the future, it's not going to work. If you want it to uh, tell you, um, for example, um, where we're going with certain things, it can't. So it has some limits. And before I go on to something else, I have to talk to you about something that you probably have never heard of. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear of um, tokens that break ChatGPT? I think I heard. So, yeah, it's it's these tokens are deemed by researchers as unspeakable. If you ask the machine about them, or if you feed it information about these, like Reddit usernames, or uh, for example, there's people who play a Twitch uh, Pokemon game. The response will be evasive, insulting, weird jokes, or just mumbo jumbo. Like it's, this thing has limits and it's super weird because it detects patterns that we don't, right? So mm -hmm. how do we debug this? That That's also a big question. And one of the things I see it do a lot is hallucinate. I see it also um, tell me facts that are not facts. So for example, it will just like, keep mixing two things yeah it likes and to whenever... mix, make things up very yes funny. and what i find very interesting though is um i asked it to i explained to the machine what inp was it's a core web vital right but that core web vital that metric did not exist when yeah. the data set stopped right so it keeps on telling me about first input delay instead. <laughs> and I find this absolutely amazing because it's the same logic that many of us as technical SEOs have where we're like, INP is probably going to replace FID. Yeah. 
And we see the machine do that. I'm like, ooh, okay. And what I like about it too is that I can see how it fails in very common ways that students would fail as well. So I know where my value is. I'm like, okay, you're not going to learn from this, this output. I can help you fix it, which brings me to another thing, Olga. So we can block the bot. Yeah. We can literally tell it don't index our content. But what if people do what you've done, which is copy paste the article in there. So that article gets fed to the machine, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's going to be an issue in the future where we go, hey, you've been monetizing my information, my input, like my creative knowledge. What's the price on that? Like, yeah. you didn't really ask me for this. So like I said, it's kind of like heroin. Sure, it makes soldiers courageous and run to their death. But what's the output there? So what are some things that you're like, I'm a bit tired of people thinking that ChatGPT is going to solve that problem when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But talking about blocking, I don't think this is a bad thing for us to, to block it because I think in the future, maybe it's going to be that there will be like links in ChatGPT to our, our own content, like there are in Bing chat for example and i'm thinking about this maybe if i can in the future get a click or link i would probably risk having that but um, see this is this is what bothers me i copy pasted some articles i'm like tell me who wrote this based on the style in chat gpt4 oh. can oh. yeah so there are specific authors that i tested i'm not gonna name where i'm like yeah I could tell that I'm surprised you can too. Like, so at the end of the day, for example, in the future, I could literally hypothetically, okay, hypothetically. So we'll, we'll talk about the limits there and we'll talk about the API, but I could hypothetically, um, ask it, Hey, um, here are all the links from Olga. I want you to write another article in her voice. And then I would post it on my blog and say that you wrote it and it's a guest blog. Mm. Huh, mm. nice. <laughs> I mean, I like how excited you are about this. Me, I'm kind of like, okay, so basically you're an author or you are an artist and you developed your craft and your style and it's basically being sucked off by a machine to become a commodity. And it's it it ties into like a lot of philosophical questions, like what is knowledge? Yeah. What is creative output? Like what is our body of work? And for me, it's also something um, that has me asking questions where the key problem here, we keep saying that the machine can do a lot of things that we can, but it's good at copying. It's good, good at mimicry. Okay. So when we think about it, this is basically, um, there's a French philosopher named Baudrillard who talked about the fact that we are, we are entering a post reality age the thing is not the thing like for example good content good content for many years i remember this because i suffered in university good content is you have a good title you have an introduction you have an argument a counter argument then you have a conclusion then you had that so the teacher would just check if all these things were there read the first few sentences and give you a grade and i was not as organized but my input was like my input my brain 
going into these words, I did my homework and I would get a zero because they were like, the form is not good. Okay. So you want me to mimic what you consider to be good content. It's a simulation. It's a simulacre. It's fake. It's a copy of a copy of a copy, kind of like how people don't even have jokes anymore. They joke about memes that are memes of memes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so now that we consider this, we have been teaching students to basically vomit expected stuff, boring stuff. And we have not been teaching them how to be good editors, how to actually seek out a different point of view and create their own think about it. And this is what happens in SEO as well. That's why it sucks. That's why the results all suck. We're busy copying, doing the skyscraper where yeah. we copy a copy of a copy. And if there's misinformation in there, too bad. It's already been baked in. We accept it as fact, etc. Like this is this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I agree with. So when when we consider this, AI is going to be very interesting because it does that. Yeah. What's our value? What's our value as human beings? Because it's going to be, once again, the editing, figuring out what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what is the point of view, writing the prompts. We are all going to have to become strategic instead of, you know, being happy that we wrote proper schema. Machine uh -huh. can do that now. Like, yeah. You have to figure this out. What is your added value? So there's a lot of folks in SEO that are going to be impacted by this. Not because it's taking your place, it's because your place has no added value. It never really did. And now you have to figure out the baseline what comes next is, for you. is way lower. So you need to yeah. raise the bar for yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. And this is why I don't understand why teachers would ban ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. it, you have to make it intrinsically valuable to the person to actually do this exercise and learn. Otherwise, if a machine can do it, so if you're not a student, if you're like us, well, the potential of AI is to enhance your workflow. So you look at stuff that can help you streamline your tasks, that can help you save time. For example, I've been using it for internal linking as well. I'm like, hey, here's a dump. What should be linked together? Like, and I use this as an example of my audits going, hey, you could mm -hmm. be linking like this. This is really fun. It saves a lot of time. It makes things also more like I can ask it to explain it to somebody who's not at my level. This is cool. Once again, it's an assistant for your brain. But if you want it to replace you, if you want it to be a substitute to your creativity, to your ability to solve a problem, you are going to be deeply disappointed. Uh -huh. A lot of my UX peers, oh, they're like, I ask it to solve a problem and it's so bad. And like, so if you can't solve the problem, if your team cannot solve the problem either, but everybody wants a solution and the machine can't, what does that say? It says that the problem is more complex than you thought and the solution is not that easy. So you need to really invest into finding a solution because your competition won't be able to find it either. Like this is the thinking. Sometimes it's a great way to say, hey, if the machine can't come up with it, with all that it knows, if me with my creativity and my expertise, I can't, maybe it's time we go back to the drawing table and figure out what 
the initial problem is. Like, so let's break it down. It's not one problem. It's like a thousand problems. So leads me to something else. You're focused on performance. You're focused on being more efficient right now. That's why you ask it for stuff. What are the new performance KPIs for marketing teams? How do we redefine what it means to actually have like something that works for us? So how do we measure our success in our professional lives? How do we gauge the performance? How do we find a KPI that reflects the true value of our work, of what we learned, of the impact our brand has, of the impact our marketing has? So that's also very interesting because remember agencies, they charge by the hour. Yeah. And before what you used to do is charge a hundred bucks when you pay an intern 15 to do the job. Well, now you pay 20 bucks a month. Are you still going to charge a hundred bucks an hour? Are your clients going to accept? What are the performance metrics for our work? That's also a big philosophical question for mm-hmm. our industry. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the value? So if people have come to this podcast trying to figure out all all the best ways, all the best prompts that they can use to save time, don't worry. Olga's got an article for you. Sign up for the newsletter. You'll be getting them on the regular, okay? But if you're actually here trying to figure out why this is working, what are the limits of it, how it's going to change your job, this has been the right podcast. Don't hesitate to ask for prompts. Like, I love explaining which prompts are the best, et cetera. But ultimately, ChatGPT is going to change a lot of things because I foresee that Google is going to go in the, we as a brand can guarantee and fact check the information. We guarantee that this will be human centered. So we're not producing spam online or or validating Mm -hmm. spam. I can see that a lot of the surface level content or, you know, content that is like merely functional will be outsourced to machines. But I also see that as humans, it will have a broader impact on how we consider our jobs, what we consider to be quality, what we consider to be actual information with added value instead of just mimicry over and over again. And I know for a fact that a few companies are looking into the API as a solution to generate some stuff that people would not generate. So for example, meta titles, Google is like, well, they should be written for humans, by humans, because you can, it's like, Google, you've been rewriting these meta titles for quite a while now using AI, okay? Let's stop pretending. How about we all consider the fact that this has been opened? What can the API do to once again, simplify the low value tasks that are still very much needed so we can focus on other stuff. So I think it's gonna be seen in Google Docs. You already see the little like summaries going on. We're going to be seeing this in Google Sheets where it'll go, just type what you wanna do and we'll create the formula for you. I see it come to search because honestly, sometimes I ask ChatGPT about stuff because I don't want to deal with a thousand ads and like the information is not there. I low stakes here. I just wanted to know because Olga, you don't know this, but Shakira broke up with her husband and 
I didn't know she had a husband. So I was like, before all this drama, like I've been fed all the drama in the media and on like all social media. What happened? Like, how did she fall in love? Like, what's going on? Why is it such a big deal? I'm not going on Google on this. Like, I'm not messing up my search history for this. Open <laughs> chat explained it to me in two sentences without any gossip that is like not needed. Done. Easy. So there's a lot of stuff where I will like go to that tool because it's easier than search. And search mm -hmm. used to be the only alternative, right? So if you want to go for dream interpretation, you can call your grandma or that one woo-woo friend you have or ask ChatGPT, look at the thing and go, okay, I'm glad I got the emotions out. I know this is useless. I feel better. Bye. <laughs> so I think there's a lot more use cases to this as an assistant yeah. than we think. I would say this is our assistant, our coach that has access to all the knowledge and has 24 hours for us, all the knowledge until 2020, the end of 2021, I think, and has 24 hours per day for us to, and gives us full attention. So, and this is, I think, how we should treat it and still kind of try to highlight and capitalize on our human element, something that makes us different from what ChatGPT can can do. And, you know, there's like so many lists of like how to create a prompt, what are the best prompts, etc. And there's a lot of people lying. Like I had a friend of mine go, so apparently somebody fed a URL of Figma to get feedback from, and I'm like, that doesn't work this way. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's just so broken. This person is out there lying on LinkedIn. Okay. And not only are they lying, but they are, they're lying about an AI hallucination on top of everything else. So like, this is disastrous. And they're like, you can do user testing without users. You, you do not understand how any of this works. No. So I'm going to challenge everyone. You have the whole entire list, like go check out Olga's list of what prompts you can use, but also ask the machine itself. Like, hi, I'm an SEO. I'm fed up with doing this, 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 because we have some stuff we all hate. Okay. The stuff you hate is probably not the stuff I hate, but so just put in what you hate and go, how can you help me automate this? What would be the right prompt for this? What should I test? Like as the machine, you can help yourself with it. You need some of us out there to give you inspiration, but your brain is already good enough to get you started on this journey. You don't need someone else's. Like this is going to be your assistant to figure out the prompts as well. Give it a try. Let us know how it works. Yeah, exactly. So Miriam, thank you so much. I love your rants. These rants were awesome. <laughs> so many tips, so many useful things. I'm going to create a bunch of short LinkedIn posts, just quoting some of the things you said, I think. <laughs> there are some tools that enable you to get the transcripts from YouTube videos and do just that. And I think yeah. that's kind of awesome. <laughs> I have such a tool, so <laughs> I'm going to, to do that. <laughs> I may rent more often then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely you should. Thank okay. you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. See you. See you soon. Bye-bye.